Hello, Restoration Church. Today I am sitting here with, who's here? Ryan Lowe. And Sophie Lowe. Yes, and so I'm sitting down with them. Uh, as you'll learn, they uh, went on a trip recently, and we want to catch up about that. But before we do that, uh, how, you guys have been at Restoration for two years? Yes. Roughly two years? Okay. So, and you moved here from, where were you, where were you before you came here? So we were originally in the United Kingdom. You were. In, what were you doing in the United Kingdom? Uh, we were both um, students at a music conservatoire in London. Uh huh. Did you both get your masters in what? What, did you, what degree did you get, Sophie? Um, I got two masters degrees: one in um, Baroque performance and one in just a modern violin. <laughs> what is Baroque? What is Baroque uh, music performance? Specifically from 1600 to 1750. And Ryan, I did a. Undergraduate degree. It's very specific in cello performance. So it's a four-year degree in playing the cello. Cello performance. Okay. Well, we we at Restoration Church are thankful for your musical gifts, though that's not what we're going to talk about today, directly anyway. Uh, and so you've been at Restoration Church for a couple of years, uh, married about the same time, married for a couple of years as well. And recently you took a trip somewhere. Where did you go? Uh, we went to Macedonia. Um, we went, because you have family there and friends that you wanted to visit, and it's just a wonderful place to do vacation. No, we oh. um, um, went um, to go minister to the Albanian population that's living in Macedonia. How in the world? So, any friends there before six months ago? No. <laughs> any relatives there before six months ago? No. We had you even really even thought about this place before six months ago? No, I thought that's where macadamia cookies came from. <laughs> and we also thought it was in Africa, and it's actually in Europe. Okay, so <laughs> you had little to no knowledge. So why in the world would you spend some of your own money, raise other funds to go to a place that even six months ago you didn't even really know it existed or what was there? Why would you do that? Because of the huge uh, need for the gospel there. Okay, so huge need. How did you get connected? So tell the kind of providential story real quick. Yeah, so we, uh, yeah, very quickly. So we both just felt like we were being led into some kind of more international mission work. We didn't say anything to each other because we didn't want to put any kind of pressure on each other. Um, but we both started talking about it and said it's how we both felt. Um, so uh, Nathan Knight invited us to go to uh, Radstock Conference, which is a small missions organization. And the, the gentleman we were sat next to all day after the conference asked us if we want to go to Albania. And we said, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, uh, you were, you had a heart for the nations and an opportunity came up and you put your yes on the table. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And so what did you notice God begin to do in your affections in your heart after you said yes? Like, I'm, I don't know about this, but, but, but my yes is on the table. What did you experience? What, what did, were there certain verses or certain truths or anything that began to become more clear to you? I think for both of us, before we um, got this invitation, we um, had been praying that God would put a people group, a country into our hearts that would just become um, the people that we would love. Um, so even before we started to um, go, we, we were looking for this. Um, after we found out, we started reading um, about the country, and our hearts were just broken um, absolutely for the need for Christ and just 
um, all the real atrocities that this people group had um, suffered. So even before we went, um, like you said, we didn't have any family or friends there, but we really began to love these people um, before we um, got there. And um, as we were um, reading through um, um, the Bible, obviously um, the story about um, Paul having the vision of someone coming to Macedonia um, and begging that people would come and help them, um, that was obviously a high point for us um, yeah. in the scripture as we were um, reading. Um, but the thing that really broke our heart was um, the need that was there in Paul's time is still there. There's still um, the need for the gospel, still need for people to come and witness for Christ. And that broke our hearts that um, that need had not changed um, in 2,000 years. Yeah, amen. So you both love Jesus. You both understand God's desire and plan to advance the gospel to all peoples, all tribes, all tongues. And so for they're wanting to be a part of that. And so there was an opportunity that came up. Uh, and so you said, yes, my yes is on the table. Uh, and there's even some neat providence with plane flight ticket prices and all that stuff that we won't go into. Uh, but needless to say, the Lord was kind uh, and giving you quite a deal. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so what you mentioned your heart is broken over the status there. So it, amongst the Albanian peoples, uh, what is the status as you understand it? What is the status of the work? Um, so just to back up a little bit, um, in Albania, the way, the reason there are Albanian people in, in Macedonia was after the Balkan Wars in 1912, 1914, um, Europe basically redrew the lines for where the country was, and suddenly there's this large population um, that's outside of the country of um, Albania. Um, and going back, there's always been this strife among um, um, European countries um, and Turkey on who's going to get power. So you have um, the influence of quote-unquote Christian and a Muslim nation. So it's always gone um, back and forth. About 400 years ago, um, as um, there were a lot of Muslims that were coming in, they basically said, hey, if you convert to Islam, you won't be persecuted, you won't have to pay as many taxes. And so after about that time, it became um, very, very entrenched in Islam. Um, now the Albanian people, they put that as um, their heritage, as being um, a Muslim. But before that, there were there were some Christian um, influences. Um, but now today, the state is you have a people who are in Macedonia who are still very, very nationalistic. Um, and they feel like they need to be because they're in another country. And so along with that, they're ascribing their nationality with Islam. So to be a good Albanian living in a different countries automatically means that you must be a Muslim. So for them, even just to consider becoming anything else is saying, oh, I'm not Albanian anymore. And because they've had so many wars in that region, um, they really, really um, stick to um, their nationalistic pride. So it goes beyond just, oh, changing my faith. It's um, quintessentially who they believe they are as a people group. Yeah. Yeah, and so in some ways, right, we, we think there's good in that because we would hope that Christians, in a way, would understand that Christ is all of their life. Mm -hmm. And so to, if, you know, coming to, to Christ means you are renouncing kind of everything in the past, uh, whatever, whatever your, whatever your past is. So kind of following 
Christ with everything. And so these people obviously doing that with, with Islam and other things. And so, uh, but they understand that there's, there's a high cost to coming to faith in Christ. And that means turning from family, turning from history, turning from maybe parts of their culture or whatever the case may be. So the cost is high. Exactly. And when we were there, one of the things that we noticed um, very, very quickly is how many things that we thought were just um, maybe Western cultures are very much ascribed to being a Christian. For example, even just having, you know, good government, having music, um, just people going um, in and out for them. It's um, not just that their whole lives would change, but they're completely against their entire society and just mm-hmm. their normal day lives. Um, and that was something that um, we had never really thought about until we were in that context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and what's the so the the status of the work today is like? What, how would you explain the presence of the gospel among the the place where you went? Yeah. So Sophie explained uh, some of the background there, and so um, because of that. In the place we are ministering, uh, from that area locally, there's uh, one Christian. From, one. Yeah, one Christian from that area. Um, and then there's a, a few teams there. So there's a, a... So teams, you're talking like 20, 30, 40, 50 people? No, so there's basically <laughs> four oh. gospel workers and, and their children. Um, and then there's one other team there of about four people trying to build a Christian school. So imagine a city, say, almost the size of D.C., and it has, you know, basically, let's say, you know, maybe four to six um, mature Christians, one Christian who's local, uh, and that's really about it for this this uh, city. Wow, so, so the size of Washington D.C. and roughly six, eight, ten Christians. Yes. Yeah. Now, would in your experience, I know you're, you've only started to learn, but is there any such thing as nominal Christianity there? Um. For the Macedonian people, yes, um, there there is that kind of life. I would say lifestyle. Okay, yeah. Um, but among um, the Albanian people, absolutely not. You either are full fledged Christian or you're a Muslim. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So for the Albanian people, we're we're talking largely about people that not only have they not heard the gospel, in fact, they're taught weekly to hate Jesus. Mm. So they know. Everything that the gospel isn't. Uh-huh. They know the opposite of the gospel, uh, which is what, what they're taught. And also, it's important to bring up, um, we'd never counted such hatred between the people group of Albanians and, and Macedonians. Um, for very recently, um, even just in the last couple of years, their encounter with Christ was... Um, Macedonians who were carving crosses into their chests. Mm. And that's for them. That's who Christ um, is. And so for them, Christ is um, a representation of oppression, of massacres, of um, everything just being um, torn apart. And so going into this region, it's not just a matter of sharing the gospel. It's a matter of reorientating them what Jesus who he really is, what the Bible really says, mm-hmm. because um, as Ryan mentioned, um, everything that they know is the complete antithesis mm-hmm. of um, Christ and, and the scriptures. Yeah. So in some ways you have to do the work of tearing down Absolutely. You know, any false beliefs. And, and some of their false beliefs are, are held 
for re- for good reasons, right? I mean, they have they have good reasons why they didn't just show up one day and start believing this stuff. Like they have legitimate reasons why they believe these things. So we got to tear those down and then come back and build back up what the truth is of who Christ really is. And so, kind of a double work. Uh, yeah, and so that's the start of the work in this area. Is um, you can't just you know come out with a with a church um, straight straight away. Uh, what the team is doing there is they're building say like a kind of community center where they can educate people because there's no real education there um so they you know can start to also pack christian books in and and also it's just a safe place where they can uh, meet and and share the gospel um if anyone heard you saying jesus or christian out in public you you know who knows what would would happen Mm. um, to these people um but so this is like a center where they can kind of yeah re re-educate um and have people asking questions and kind of changing uh, their perspectives of who they are as Albanians mm-hmm. um and you know and even um the missionaries aren't afraid of people to even read the Quran because these mm-hmm. people haven't even read the Quran and when they do they all say you know I was so disappointed and mm-hmm. then they ask the missionaries well where do I go because mm-hmm. I'm still you know searching for God and yeah. and there's the people who end up you know Finding Christ. Yeah, Amen, um, Amen. So. so, what is it? What so uh, you put your yes on the table? You start reading. You learn. Uh, you start to communicate with the people on the on the ground there, the, the team members, trying to get to know them, and and so you land. Uh, what do you do? What did you do for roughly what a week, ten days, whatever long you were there? Days. Ten days. So, what did you do? We um, were able to do a variety of um, activities. While we were there, our main focus was, um, as Ryan mentioned, opening up this center. Um, and we knew basically what the function was before we went there. Um, but once we got on the ground, we saw how vital it, they needed this um, structure. Um, as Ryan mentioned, just the way society is, men and women can't mingle um, very, very freely. Um, and so it's not just a safe place for missionaries. It's a safe place for Albanians to come in and be able to, um, to hear about Christ. Um, so our big focus there was putting on a concert so that people, um, could come into the center. It was, it was the opening of the center so they could get used to it. Um, and we initially going to like, great, this is a concert. We're going to, um, you know, perform. But then when we got there, we realized that even putting on a concert was a huge thing for the community. Um, most people had never um, seen or heard a violin or cello in, pub- in public before. Um, but just having a concert is very much seen as a Christian um, principle, mm-hmm. which we, we didn't realize um, because there's a communist background, because of the Islamic background. Having just an open concert like that was very, very new. And so even in that, um, it was interesting um, for us. And you think about in Psalms where it talks about how the Lord rejoiced over creation with singing and how integral music is Mm -hmm. um, throughout the Bible and through our worship. And um, we never realized um, before how innately just the act of making music, um, even if we don't realize in 
it um, in ourselves in our Western culture is very much associated with Christianity in hmm. um, Islamic culture. So putting on a concert in this community was whoa! What's what's <laughs> go what's going on? What is this? And so it was. It wasn't just a concert. It was a right away very strong um, comment off the bat that this is something very very different. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, right, you're gonna say something? Yeah, and so <clears throat> the concert served um, to get people into the center, so get lots and lots of people in so they can come in, look So to be around. clear, they had never opened this center before. No. That's yeah. right, so this is the opening this of the center. Kinda... And, yeah, and the center is also the, the church, well, it will be, Lord willing. Where they hope right? to have a, yeah. a gathering of Christians. So, yeah, so it's getting it's getting people um, in, and then also we did have a concert there as well, and so what we're trying to do is just uh, give the missionaries opportunities to meet people, to make connections, um, in the community to make friends, you know, to invite people in. So it's just about loving these people, giving to these people so that we can, you know, share, share the gospel with them. And so how many concerts did you end up putting on? Five. Five. Okay. Wow. And I know how much you guys prepare for a concert. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that that was not a small amount of work. <laughs> Uh, for you to prepare and to play, and so what were the other venues where you played? So you played in the in the, the community center, and how how many people y'all were expecting? What they were expecting? They were really happy. Like if we get a if we get a handful of people from the community, we'll be very happy. Right. We there were um, over fifty people there, and I have to say that the chairs that they sat on were the chairs that Restoration has so generously given, which would have not been possible. So. Um, quick yeah. um, shout out of thanks to yeah. everyone who made this possible. Yeah, praise um, the Lord. So that was, like I said, that was the big concert we did for the opening. Um, prior to that concert, we also did a concert at the university um, that was there um, and um, they were able to say, hey, we're, we're people from this new center. Um, we're, we have lots of education opportunities and so they they were able to make a lot of contacts there. Um, and as we kind of mentioned before, um, because the, the, the people are very, very guarded, you have to make a connection first. And um, the missionaries always reiterated to us, you have to be their friend. You have to be something before you even can talk to them about um, anything. And so um, it's really, really a vital um, first step for them to be able to eventually make gospel connections. Yeah, praise the Lord. Good. So you played uh, five. So you did one at the community yeah, center. Yes, so community did, center. We did university. We did university. We um, did um, some in the capital of um, Skopje, um, which is the Macedonian side. But that was also a concert because um, the the Christians in in Macedonia, the Macedonian section. They are terrified to come to the section that we are in, uh, that we were in. Um, they will not come. They say we feel the power of Satan too much. Mm. Um, and also, even being Macedonian, there's still a little bit of fear and under and um, maybe not quite a very good understanding between the Albanians and the Macedonians. So that was an outreach concert where there were some musicians who were in Macedonia, which are a little bit more westernized than we were in. Um, so we had concerts with them, and it also provided a chance for these Christians from two different cultures where they sat down for the first time and they were talking. Yeah, and Lord. so that's one of the things we were very, very excited because um, we're praying for there to be healing in the region, not only between the two people groups, but even among the, the Christians yeah. Um, there. Yeah, amen. 
So how were you able to encourage, only a large part of your work was encouraging the workers that were there as well. So what were some things that you saw that you were able to encourage uh, the workers on the ground? So you mentioned there's a handful of them. Uh, how were you able to, to serve them, encourage them in their work? I think perhaps one of the, the biggest things that um, we were able to help with is they said, you know, a lot of times we feel very forgotten. Um, the one Christian that Ryan meant, uh, mentioned, who's the only native person there, um, he said to us once, he said, we know that there are churches in Syria. We know that there are churches in Iran. He said, why isn't there a church here? Why have the rest of, you know, the Christian world forgotten about us? Mm -hmm. um, and so he um, was just almost dumbfounded that um, some people from America, that churches in America were, were interested in, that wanted to help. And so um, he was, he especially was very, very encouraged that, you know, that people, that his, his global family um, was trying to be there and support them. And um, I think that the large thing is they just feel very forgotten. They feel mm. like they're in the section of the world um, because it's technically um, in Europe, even though the region is very much not westernized. Um, I think they are very, very much overlooked. Um, and it's surprising that there has, there isn't um, any gospel work there. So um, just encouraging them that, no, their their brothers and sisters in Christ did love them, did care for them, um, and did want to encourage them in the gospel. Yeah, and the uh, missionaries there are very, very lonely. It's a it's a very strange place. It's very different. It just feels like a different you know universe, really. Mm -hmm. And they're there with their families, and um, the missionary families they only have each other. So because of that, they're incredibly close, but still, you know, very, very lonely. They don't have it. A church, right? Mm -hmm. So they have each other. So of course they're a church, but um, they're they're trying to build a church there. Um, and then also, um, I think it's one of the connections that why we were put in touch with them is that they're all musicians. So both families. Oh, the workers are on that. Yeah, oh, so I didn't know all, that. Oh. All of them are musicians. Oh, very cool. And so it worked out great that we could uh, play together and worship together. Um, so yeah, everyone everyone there is either um, a professional musician or a, you know, let's say was a, was doing music, let's say in some capacity, you know. So, so they weren't just dabbling in music. They, that's they actually very, yeah. yeah so, huh. so, yeah, and that's okay. how we could get, you know, like so we said, five concerts together. <laughs> we, I didn't even know that yeah. providential connection of the whole thing yeah, of the so. actually. That's how we initially got connected. With, uh, with yeah, so, oh, cool. um, so it was, uh, and we bought lots of music we could play together. You know, websites that have, music available in the united states so blocked there <laughs> uh, so we could even bring them new music oh, and wow. we could play together on an ensemble and um and also the other things to do there just um you know lots of uh bible studies and prayer and um and just yeah really good um times of of kind of fellowship and we really felt yeah. like families yeah so. i found that when we go to the middle east one of the best things we can do is pray with and do bible studies for the workers because they're always pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and when you just say listen you just sit down and i'm going to lead some prayer i'm going to lead a devotion on this passage and you just receive it's a great benefit uh, you can you know when you think about the apostle paul he's like Come to me, come to me, come to me. Why? He wanted he wanted the encouragement of physical presence and, and brother and sisterhood around him. So, no, I, I think you're exactly right, and they they are just exhausted from just carrying that um, by themselves. And 
Um, especially, I think Ryan was encouragement to one of the families we were, there was three boys. Um, and they, they don't have any young men to look up to, to say, mm-hmm. what does a young man in Christ, what does he do? What does he, you know, act like? And, um, even, even their names, they have biblical names, not, um, Islamic names. And so even their little boys, the mom said, you know, they're, they're, oh, he's always being teased. They're mm-hmm. always, they're always, um, you know, set apart. They're always the different ones. So it's not just, you know, missionary couples who are giving something up. These children are learning at a very um, early age, even in small ways, what it means to, to be a Christian. And um, it was very encouraging for both of us when we talked to them, even though you have these um, young boys, young teenagers, when you talk to them, they know what they're doing. They know that they're there to share the gospel. They know what it's at um, risk um, for their families. Um, and I think it's amazing because they're, they're so young, but their heads are so mission-focused um, in a way that I think a lot of times can put me to shame um, oh, yeah. even because they know what they're um, doing. And so um, these boys were um, encouraged to see another um, young man who wasn't their dad um, following um, Christ. And um, so we were able to encourage them. Um, but that was nothing compared to how they encouraged us yeah, in our own faith. Yeah. yeah, so one or two things you learned. So we're getting ready to wrap up. But one or two things you learned on your trip. Like what? what is it? You mentioned that you knew you were either going to uh, <laughs> not come back or be changed forever. Uh, and so what is it? How is it? How did the Lord change you? What did you learn? Because uh, this was both your, your first international trip yes. uh, with an explicit gospel in view. You've traveled yeah. internationally quite a bit, but this was more you know, geared toward gospel. So ways you've been changed, things you learned. I think the most important thing for any gospel work is you have to have your heart broken for the people that you're going to. You have to um, love them. And um, when you pray that God will break your heart for people group, he will. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. And um, knowing that it's going to hurt, knowing that, um, you're going to cry for these people that they're going to be part of you um, forever. There was um, one day they took us to the top of the city and we looked down and um, as far as you could see, um, there were um, mosques. I tried to count the spires as um, best I could. I couldn't even count them all. Mm. And you just hear the wailing of, of their prayer time. Um, and um, Ryan and I both had moments where we just wept because we looked down at these people and we knew without Christ that they were um, going to have an eternity without him. Mm-hmm. And we knew um, that we were saved not because we're from a Western culture, but because just by the grace of God and um, that we were all starving people and we just found the bread, you mm-hmm. know, and we wanted to share that with them. Um, and... Um, that image of looking down at all the people who needed Christ that haunts me at night. It haunts me in the day and it's, um, it's refocused everything that I'm, um, that I'm doing that Ryan's, um, doing. And, um, so I think that as a church group, it's good to pray that our hearts will broken, but all the while knowing that it's going to hurt. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We, we kind of, said you know with these trips is always say a risk so we said you know maybe 
we won't come back. But in a way, I felt by going like I did die in a spiritual way, as and mm. I, I, you know, kind of like taken up our cross. So like I, I feel like I've come back as a, um, a completely different um, creation in just where my heart is uh, for missions and. Um, and it was just the first day we, we did a Bible study and they weren't teaching us this on purpose. This is what they were already doing together. Um, but just how, um, it's, there's always going to be persecution of the church and they expect it, but really it's the, the world and comfort that, that stops us, um, following Christ and we're saved and we know it, it's, that's okay. But, you know, Jesus talks about the soils and how the good soil. And the last one is that you know it's it's stopped by by the world, and so our prayer is that we wouldn't be, you know, stopped by a desire for comfort, but we would uh, go out and I think we learn that when you when you step out um, in faith, our faith is always real, um, but God becomes very present, very active in a very new way, in a very real way. You see His hand working very directly in your lives and also being on mission is very um just exciting and fulfilling and uh joyful and and at times very peaceful too despite you know you look around and there's you should be scared and you should be you know having a horrible time but you're not you're having it you you love these people you love this place even though it has nothing about it but draws your eye to it you can't. You just love the place. You love the people, and that's a love from God. That's not mm-hmm. a love from us. And so, yeah, lots of really amazing things happen. Yeah, that's good. That, one of our one of the gals we know says, if you're if you're bored in your faith, do something risky for the gospel. Yes, uh, and it will. It, it, it will reinvigorate uh, the love because I think to your point when you when you think about the, the parable of the soils, it, we people often forget it's not the persecution. Uh, that is the only thing. It's, it's worldliness. It's comfort. It's success. It's all these things that are so much of the culture and the water in which we swim and where we are. And so, yeah. Any, any last words? So you're back. Do you, do you hope to go back? Yes. yes definitely, yeah. <laughs> we, we're praying that we can go back, um, again this, this yeah, year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah praise the Lord. It. Praise <laughs> the Lord. So any, any last words of encouragement for your brothers and sisters at Restoration Church? Anything you want to encourage them, exhort them? Anything, anything you want to say to them? Um, Other than say, come with us next yeah. time. Yes, come with us. They have they have needs of, of people coming over. So, um, if your heart is being stirred, please come to Macedonia. Um, the call in the Bible is is still the Macedonian call is still is still ringing true. Yeah, I think my final words are kind of like they come two ways. So I think because we were literally on mission, like physically on, doing it every day. After coming back, I feel more on mission here, mm. and we are we're on a mission. Christians should be on mission, so you don't necessarily have to be overseas, but you need to be on mission here. So you can't be comfortable. Let's say you know you're called here, but you can't be comfortable here. There's still a great need. Let's say just for restoration in D.C. You know, just this coming back. What I know is is this is also a very dark city that mm. loves wealth and power and. Uh, you know, all the politics here. So there's just as much need here. So we need to be just as much on mission here. On the other hand, there's places where, like we said, people don't even know the gospel. So ask the Lord and try to get to those places too. And yeah, yeah. so both. So yeah. be on mission 
Anyway, I'll, ne- you'll have I'll to never, go to. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget when I was in seminary. And my my plan was to go back to Atlanta and li- you know live around family and all that. And uh, one of the first chapels that I went to, the president of the seminary just stood up and just said, "At least ask the harder question, and ask not you know why wouldn't I go back home, but ask the question why would I." And I think that's, you know, the call. Not that it's better or worse. It's just like God is big. And so let's ask those riskier questions and see what the Lord might do. So well, I praise God for both of you, uh, your heart for Jesus, the way you serve here, your desire to go. Uh, and I look forward to how the Lord is going to use this to uh, continue to advance his gospel in you and through you. And Restoration Church, we love you guys too. And we'll talk to you next time.